Win the battle of your musty, damp basement with an easy breathe ventilation system. Take charge of your indoor air. It's easy with basement ventilation to remove musty odors, pollutants, allergens, and airborne particles by 85%. An easy breathe ventilation system creates air exchanges for cleaner, fresher, healthy indoor air. And right now, get $250 off your own easy breathe ventilation system. Call 866-822-7328 or visit takechargeofyouair.com today. When you have health insurance, it's easy to forget about your out-of-pocket costs. That can be a lot of money. But are your bills accurate? It's estimated over 50% of medical bills contain errors. HealthLock can help. HealthLock technology securely connects with your insurance and flags any overbilling, wrong codes, and fraud. You can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. To date, HealthLock has helped its members save over $130 million. To save, visit HealthLock.com today. Your credit card should match your lifestyle. At Kemba Financial Credit Union, choose a card with benefits that work for you. For a limited time, all cards have 2% cash back on purchases and 0% interest on balance transfers for a year. Apply at Kemba.org. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Good morning, peeps, and welcome to OKF Daily with me, your girl, Danielle Moody, recording from the bunker. Folks, I've now had time post the seventh congressional hearing on the January 6th insurrection to kind of absorb it and wanting to lift up some of the things that I think we learned that I found the most disturbing, which is that For a while now, we've continued along with the theme that the intel failed, that the intel that was provided by the FBI and other agencies just failed. And the reality is, is that it did not. Those alerts were provided to the Trump administration, to the president of the United States at that time, and he chose to ignore it. Not only did he choose to ignore it, but what we learned in the hearing is that there was no spontaneity involved on January 6th. This was not an event that took place out of heightened rage and it was something that, you know, just occurred out of thin air. The reality is, is that it was orchestrated. It was strategized. It was Donald Trump's Hail Mary after the last 60 cases failed, after there was no constitutional loophole that Mark Meadows could find that could keep Donald Trump in power. And that what he then decided to do, as my guest yesterday said, Kurt Bardella, was to weaponize his base, to hype them up on anti-democratic sentiments on the big lie, knowing that they were armed, knowing that they were susceptible to his lies, and then point them in the direction of the Capitol building towards his vice president, where they would build a gallows, where they would break in, where they would kill people and cause irreparable damage to the Capitol building and to our democracy. Donald Trump knew. Not only did Donald Trump know, he was the architect in chief. 
He surrounded himself with an insular group of idiots like Sidney Powell, like Rudy Giuliani and Andrew Giuliani, like John Eastman, like the Overstock guy and others who would concoct and scheme to keep Donald Trump in power come hell or high water. That nobody who would be perceived to be the quote unquote adults in the room or those people who actually believed in the rule of law and said, okay, I'm going to ride with you until we exhaust all possibilities here. But once those possibilities have been exhausted, it's time for us to move the fuck on. But they were the logical ones, I guess. I mean, I don't know how logical you could be to work for four years for a petulant toddler and a, a straw man wannabe, right? But what was clear, and I think that what the committee laid out just so brilliantly was without the call from Donald Trump to go to the Capitol building, the insurrection would not have happened. Without Donald Trump calling off his weapon after he unleashed them on the Capitol building, folks wouldn't have stayed for 187 minutes while the president was doing God knows what. The question that continues to be asked, however, as we are learning more and more, and next week will be the eighth congressional hearing on the January 6th insurrection, is that how much evidence is needed? How much more evidence is needed in order to indict Donald Trump and all of his co-conspirators who concocted a plan to overthrow the government and keep Donald Trump in power? I mean, folks, when we saw that draft executive order, my God, it should have scared the shit out of every single American that this president, if not for certain people that maintain control or said the entire Department of Justice is going to quit, right? That Donald Trump would have had the military seize voting machines. That Donald Trump would have declared martial law. That Donald Trump would have gone above and beyond what has ever been done in this country, in this democracy, and turn it upside down. He knew that he lost. He was told on multiple occasions that he lost, but he didn't care. And neither did those very dangerous people around him. And the question that keeps being asked is, well, we've never indicted a president before, a former president of the United States. And what damage will that do to the country? What damage will holding a criminal responsible for disrupting our democracy? What damage will that do to the country? Let me just tell you, let's all take an imagination trip right now. Let me do my best Sophia from the Golden Girls and picture it. The United States, 2024. Joe Biden is the Democratic nominee. He is up against not Donald Trump, but Ron DeSantis. Ron DeSantis becomes the newly elected president of the United States and devoid accountability from the Trump administration desires he's going to declare martial law for pretty much every goddamn thing. He's going to throw queer people in jail, that he's going to rewrite the constitution 
and say that people no longer have the right to assemble, but only white people have the right to assemble. And that everyone else should be deemed a political threat. And you will see not a plucking of our rights, as Madeleine Albright said about fascism, is that you don't notice because you pluck a chicken one feather at a time, right? And that is exactly what the Trump administration and Trumpism has been doing to our democracy. But without any guardrails, without any responsibility, without any accountability, the next president who is of the Trumpist ideology will be fucking worse. Think about what message it sends to the white supremacist organizations and that their leader will never be held accountable. Well, they'll know that whether it's Trump or DeSantis, they have friends in the White House. So what does that say to the rule of law on a day-to-day basis and the danger that BIPOC people, Black, Indigenous people of color, women, queer people, people who worship a non-Christian God, what does it say for their safety? If again, there is no accountability, it means that it is fucking a free-for-all in terms of violence, in terms of terrorism in this country. Oh, not to mention that prior to all of this happening in 2024 and 2025, the Supreme Court gave everybody a fucking right to conceal and carry. So the amount of shootouts, the amount of death, right, that we will see is crazy. So when the question is continually being asked to legal analysts about you know, whether or not accountability should be had for Donald Trump or should be sought after for Donald Trump, you have no fucking choice. It is either you hold Donald Trump and all of his sycophants accountable, or you hand over the keys to our democracy to the white supremacist fascist party, formerly known as the Republican party. Those are the choices that we have. And it's not a real fucking choice. The amount of evidence that has been laid out thus far by this committee, and I know that lawyers love to say, well, it's not evidence, it's information, blah, blah. I don't give a fuck. The fact of the matter is, is that the story that is being told and by Donald Trump's own people in their own voices show a man that was willing to do anything and everything in order to hold on to power, legal system be damned. Democracy be damned. And he will do it again. And without that sense of fear of the possibility of going to federal prison for crimes, for treason against this country, you have just made it open season on the executive branch and on the presidency moving forward. So, friends, the Justice Department, I'm not saying that the job in front of them is easy, but I'm saying that. They need to fucking do it. Coming up next, my conversation with our friend, the good, good doctor, Dr. Jonathan Metzl, to bring us the latest on where we are with the two new variants that have taken over in the United States and also around the world, BA4 and BA5, and what it is that we need to be careful of and what it is that we need to pay attention to in the coming months. In this conversation, Jonathan lays out in no uncertain terms that we are headed towards a very dangerous fall, which means a very dangerous winter. And are we prepared 
this time around in order to keep Americans safe? Or is this just COVID Groundhog's Day? That conversation with our friend, Dr. Jonathan Metzl, is coming up next. Indisputable with Dr. Rashad Ricci is one of the latest shows on the TYT network and also the fastest growing news show in America. On his show, Dr. Ricci plays no games regarding policy, delivering a heavy dose of fact-based truth and penetrating analysis on all the top news stories focusing on racism, criminal and social justice, politics, police brutality, Karens, and much more. Listeners can also expect interviews with fascinating guests, political leaders, commentators, and even fiery debates with conservatives on a wide range of policy topics in the bullpen. It is an indisputable fact that you will love this show. Listen to Indisputable with Dr. Rashad Ricci on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you like what you hear, be sure to subscribe so you never miss a new episode. Hey, I'm David Plotz of Slate's Political Gab Fest. As another election season accelerates, it can be tricky to sort through all the noise in the news. Each week on the GabFest, John Dickerson, Emily Bazelon, and I decipher the headlines, break down the races, and tell you what issues really matter. We do not always agree. We definitely do not always agree. But we always deliver thoughtful debate, and we always have a good time. So subscribe to Slate's Political GabFest. New episodes every Thursday. Folks, as always, I'm always excited and elated when we have our in-house doctor, Dr. Jonathan Metzl, joining Woke AF Daily to just break down the latest um, and the most insane things that are happening in this country. And Jonathan, I, I know that you had not had an opportunity um, at this point of the recording to watch the seventh hearing from the January 6th uh, committee. Um, but there is one thing that I think that you can speak to and have a conversation about, which is regard, which is with regard to the testimony of uh, two men um, who sat before the committee. Uh, one of them being, and let me, I want to make sure that I get his name right because he's the one that I want to discuss, Jason Van uh, Tatenhove, uh, Tatenhove, who is a former Proud Boy. Um, was a part of the Proud Boys for quite some time. He left, he left several years ago, well before the insurrection. But the purpose of him sitting before the committee and providing testimony was to paint the picture of who the Proud Boys are, what their vision of America is, and how it is a paramilitia uh, organization, that it is a terrorist group, and that uh, Stuart Rhodes, the man who is uh, now under um, indictment for seditious conspiracy uh, with regard to January 6th, um, has a white supremacist, white evangelical Christian fundamentalist vision of America. And what Totten, Tottenhove said is that he said, let us not mince words here anymore, because I think that it's important for the American people to know the truth. What happened on January 6th, he said, was an attempt at an armed revolution. That is the desire of the Proud Boys. It is the desire of the Oath Keepers. And it was upholded, right, and given space by the former president of the United States. I want you, in your travels, in the work that you've done um, around this country with 
uh, the writing of your book, Dying of Whiteness, but also how you speak about gun violence and the kind of merging, the intersection um, of this of these ideologies. He was trying to sound an alarm about how we are talking about this. So how does that land for you in hearing that Jason Van Tottenhove is just like, let's stop mincing words. Do you feel like we continue to mince words about the danger that these groups and these ideologies are causing? Well, hey, everybody. And and you're right, um, Danielle. I, so I'm just coming in from the airport. I've been flying. Uh, I, I, so I, I, met, I was in the air for the hearing today, so I read about it a little bit. Um, and I have much to say about the experience of flying right now, which we can talk about later. Mm. Mm-hmm. Uh, apparently, flying with COVID as your travel companion is all the rage this summer. Um, and so, but anyway, we'll talk about that later. But I would just say, I think a couple things important have happened over the course of the past couple of days. I mean, one is, of course, that when you hear about people who are from extremist groups, um, who are not in the extremist groups anymore, they're representing people who had the conscience to leave, um, I mm-hmm. think, a lot of times. Um, but but the people who... Um, the people who are still in the groups who are growing and festering and all those kind of things, that, that's really the people you have to worry about, right? So I would love to hear from active, you know, free percenters right now and just honestly hear um, what, they're, what they're thinking. And, you know, because I, I would just bet that many people in, the, in these groups don't share this level of concern <clears throat> because they feel very guided by the goal of fomenting violence or overturning the election or overturning the government. And so I think these, these threats are real. But the other thing I think is important to note is that there was a, a poll released this morning by the New York Times. And I don't know how much faith you know you put in polls right now, but some of these kind of polls, not who you're going to vote for, but these opinion polls, they're much more accurate than predicting elections. And it said that at least 50% of Republicans are ready to get rid of Trump. Uh, that, that at least at this point. Now, of course, right now, it's not like, oh, it's Trump or Joe Biden. So who knows? It's not like, oh, they're going to vote for Democrats. Right. But I would say that I think that the message of the January 6th committee does seem to be getting through pretty considerably um, to a number of people who are paying attention. And I think what was interesting for me about that poll this morning was that people were saying, look, I agree. I'm a Republican. I agree with the stuff, but I'm just tired of the circus. And so I do think that the January 6th committee, I mean, we'll have to see where it leads right now is doing a lot of damage on, on Trump and he can't really respond. He can, he can't really respond because nobody is, even knows what the name of his social media app is. And so, um, and so I think that really the danger for the Democrats right now, I was thinking about this this morning was mm-hmm. let's just say the January 6th committee is effective enough that it actually knocks Trump off his perch and the, and that void is filled by um, DeSantis or Tom right. Cotton, somebody who's like much smoother and smarter. And the Democrats really, you're going to run Joe Biden against one of those guys like that would not, that would not go well. And so I think the issue here isn't part about waking up America, which I'm happy to talk about, but I also think there's an urgent call for Democrats to, I mean, the Democrats, even with, when they're writing the show here, they seem to be getting caught flat-footed on everything. And I think, you know, what's the plan if this ends up leading to Trump 
not running in the election, for example, which seems like a really real possibility. So my biggest fear beside the three percenters and all that, which is super scary, is that the Democrats knock off Trump, but they don't have a plan. And, and it's just Biden against one of those guys. Well, I think that the reality here is, you know, I believe that the point of the January 6th committee is to lay, make the case to the American people that so much damage to our institutions, to our agencies, to our democracy was done. And it wasn't by accident. Um, you know, one of the things that I had tweeted was, why is it that white people are so susceptible to being, quote, swept away into violence? And that's a real, you know, that's a real question, a question that your book um, uh, sought to answer, right? It's like, why are you willing to literally die for whiteness? And, you know, I don't believe that the committee is necessarily setting up a case to negate Trumpism as they are to negate Donald Trump. So your of question, course. I think, is 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 true. And I've been this is what keeps me up at night, frankly, which is the fact of a 79 year old Joe Biden going up against a late 40 something year old or 50 something year old DeSantis, um, who is going to who looks at this point to be the heir apparent um, for 2024. And what I've always said is that Donald Trump, what is what is more dangerous than Donald Trump is somebody who is, has shares his ideology, but understands the law and how to maneuver and how to maneuver it. That's what yeah. the danger is. And so, you know, the the thing though about where we are, this fraught time in our country, is that while fifty percent of people Republicans may be willing to get rid of Donald Trump, the question for you, Jonathan, is that what is it? What is it going to take for them to also say that they want to get rid of Trumpism when Trumpism is what is winning right now? Right. No, no. That, I mean, that's really the issue. And that, 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 that's kind of the point I'm making is and, – and you're making also um, – is that what comes after Trump is something – you know, Trump is like cyborg 1.0. Um, but then you get like the actual flesh and blood Terminator next or something. And so I just think that – what comes next is going to be a far more formidable challenge. And the, I don't like the Democrats, like our strategy is at this point, and maybe it'll coalesce more when, and I'm sure there's people who are really smart working on this, but I would just say that the, the response to the Supreme court decisions about abortion and guns have been for me, so very disappointing. Um, and, and so it just feels like we're just we're reacting. We're not going on offense. We're not doing anything. And I think that is that shit's not gonna fly against somebody like DeSantis or Cotton or something who are just like robot machines who are gonna come in and know the law and know every loophole. So I I don't know. I mean, maybe there. I'm sure there's a plan for this. We just don't know it yet. I mean, let's hope that's the case. I, don't, I mean, Jonathan, let, let, I mean, okay. I know that you like to be on, you know, the up and up and, and to be optimistic, yeah. but what we have seen is that there's no fucking plan, right? Like well, the reason why you started off saying that they continue to get caught flat footed is because they continue to be surprised by just how violent, how devious, um, and how against the law and the constitution, this Republican party is. And I guess, but like I mean, my, I mean, forget, forget January 6th. They had 40 years to know that abortion was going to get overturned. Thank you. Right. Um, like it wasn't like any big surprise and the gun case, like, I mean, you and I were out here screaming about the gun case. Um, but the response to the gun case, I mean, I, I watched that press conference the other day. 
I mean, I know their hands are tied and stuff like that, but they're not that tied. And so I don't know. And so I guess the, what I meant by a plan, I'll just be clear Mm -hmm. was there was another New York times poll that showed that 90% of people 30 and under don't Don't support Biden. Biden. Yeah. Um, and so I, the what I meant by there probably is a plan is maybe there's a plan that after the midterms, you know, at the least what she'd say is I'm not decided if I'm running again, but I think I encourage everybody who wants to run to run or you know, something that gives the okay for people to run. Like, you know, that's, that's the least that could happen. But I mean, I that would, is the, and, and it will never happen because people do not, whether for good or for, for wrong, never acquiesce their power that they currently have as a way to lay the path for other people. And I think that yeah. it would take, it would take, you know, more than the polling, but a considerable, like, I, I, I don't even know, push by Democrats within his inner circle to say, you are not going to win. And so we still have the opportunity to hold this country. And the bet, the best bet is for actually the American people to feel like they can roll the dice on their leadership as opposed to you being the, the 2024 nominee apparent. I mean, the question, though, is, is there any benefit to saying something like that before the midterm? I'm betting they no. wait until after the midterm. So it's like, I just don't think it would be wise by their calculus who knows to come out right now and say i'm not running again so i guess when i said that maybe there's a plan that was what i was thinking is yeah maybe there's a plan they're just not doing it now so i just don't want to i don't want to have everybody jump on biden's back um when we elected the guy and if he's the i mean nominee, we we're but supporting let's, him. i mean if he's the nominee we're supporting him but when we say that we elected the guy we didn't really have a choice Right. Like we had a choice. We had a we had a choice. And uh, Jim Clyburn said, well, South Carolina is behind Joe Biden. And so the rest the rest of us got behind Joe Biden because he declared him as such. Right. And 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 he's the only person that could beat Trump. And he did beat Trump. But we're saying that, like, you beat him this time around. But these iterations of Donald Trump, these next phases, like you use the Terminator, these next phases of Donald Trump. He he is not prepared to beat. And we've yeah. seen that time and, you know, time and time again um, to switch gears uh, now to go back to our other disaster, which is the pandemic that we are continuing to live in. And by the way, we still haven't talked about monkeypox on this show, but I'll wait for that. Um, <laughs> OK, that's coming next. That's coming next. But, um, you know, I, I, I will say this, that I have noticed in the past, uh, I guess, week and a half, Jonathan. Since you raised the alarm on this show once again, that said, hey, guys, maybe in the next two weeks you want to wear masks indoors because I just came from Scandinavia and the wave is coming. Right now. I'm so sorry. You are you are good, good profit told us what was coming and it came faster than the two weeks that you had actually anticipated. So the media now has picked up and is hip to the fact that guess what? COVID's not done. And not only is it not done, but these next two variants are worse than the first one because they're more contagious and are attacking the lower lung. Um, so tell us about, you know, what more you are hearing about what is being done um, and also about your travels because you just said that COVID-19 is essentially um, our co-pilot. So... I just flew in from Nashville and boy, are my arms tired. 
And I would say that um, no, I was one of three people wearing a mask on the flight. And there were people who were just hacking up a lung on the flight. So I put on a third mask. And I just had COVID two weeks ago. Like I'm relatively safe compared to other people. But there's just nobody in charge right now. And I understand why. Like nobody would do it anyway. But I will say that we had the we had the luxury of having the big O Oscar Robertson, the Omicron straight stage. Mm-hmm. And the difference between everything that came before the big O and the big O was that the big O didn't kill people as much because it was largely an upper respiratory infection. Um, mm-hmm. And so even though people were catching it, remember everybody got it last December, everybody got it. Right. But the thing is, it didn't kill anywhere near as many people because it didn't go in the lower lungs, which is where you get your oxygen, ladies and gentlemen. And so remember that earlier versions of COVID put ended up people, tons of people on ventilators in hospitals because their lungs were infected. And so, um, so we've had this Omicron, you know, series of BA one, two, three, where it's just like wave after wave, which was just like a cold, you know, a very bad cold. And mm-hmm. all of a sudden four and five, and I, I noticed this in myself when I got COVID two weeks ago, <clears throat> I'm still not totally over it. Um, but also like people I was with got really sick, like ended up like having bilateral pneumonia on chest x-rays. And so then I started looking at the data and looking at data from other countries. Um, and it turns out there's a lot of people on ventilators right now, which has not been the case for us for uh, almost nine a year, months. Right? And yeah. so, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so as this ramps up, just to be honest, I mean, again, not to be so alarmist, but I am very worried about the fall um, because as this thing, it's got a, it's got an infection ratio that is supposedly 18, which is higher than um, smallpox or measles or anything we know. Um, and so it's, it's attacking the lung and it's got an infection ratio that's pretty much higher than most pathogens that you and I have ever heard of. Um, and so this fall could get kind of bad. And so I I don't know. I would not throw away my mask, anybody. I would be quite careful. And the other thing is if the infection ratio was 18, I mean, I love Afropunk, as you know. I live for that. Um, but crowded outdoor places are going to be a little risky too because the initial infection ratio was 3, you know, last year. And now it's 18. And that's how many people everybody with it infects. And so even crowded outdoor spaces are not totally safe right now. So I would, I would be, I would go back to kind of carefulish right now, honestly. Um, mm-hmm. Thankfully, I think they're working on a booster that is going to have these four and five strains. It can't come soon enough, honestly, because I feel like we're going to be in this wave for, for quite a while. Um, but it, but can it's, you just, it's a, um, can let me let me just ask a question because I want people to be able to follow what you're saying. Can you explain then what the infection rate was for, let's say, Delta, uh, Omicron, and now these BA four and, and BA five, so people can understand, yeah, like the the yeah the rise. The first COVID that we all freaked out about, Alpha. Let please come back someday. Um, you had to be in an enclosed space for 10 to 15 minutes with somebody. Uh, it only went very, it was a very dense particle. So it only went six feet roughly. That's mm-hmm. why we had social distancing. 
So believe it or not, even though nobody, none of us, we were still like, you know, licking subway poles and French kissing strangers and stuff like that um, in the old days. But I would say that the original coronavirus compared to what we have now was really hard to catch. I mean, it was easy to catch because it was in because the Because we air. didn't know what it was and we didn't yeah, know. Yeah, we didn't what, know what it was. How, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But now this thing shoots across the room. It's lighter than anything. It You can get infected by literally just taking your mask off for a minute. That's how quickly it infects. It's much, much better at infecting. And so people who have have this the original covid one person would infect another two people or three people now everybody who's got it is infecting 18 people and so that's because it just spreads so much easier there's much more of it in the air Um, and when it's living in people's lungs they're also coughing it which makes it in the air so it just it's a good time to have some good masks on hand i would say Mm -hmm. um and and to think about just being conservative <laughs> for a while here. I mean, the other important thing to note is that this this new variant evades immunity from people who have had COVID before. And so the field of people and also people who are vaccinated for the most part. And so it's basically like we're starting over a little bit. So the reason I think this, this surge is going to last for a while is it's not like there's a pool of people who have had BA4 and BA5, who are going to be the blockades, the, you know, basically COVID is just starting on all over with us in a way. And so that's why I think this thing is going to be with us for a while. And again, the fall is going to be pretty intense here, especially if this new lung version then mutates again. So it's, it's going to be a time to kind of hold on to your hat again. I know I teach college and my own employer is saying, oh, we're just going back normal, but and I'm like, tell me in a month. Um, I mean, I yep. think, I'm sure we're going to go back, but I guarantee you we're going to be having masks in the classroom again. Well, Jonathan, you're always the bearer of good news. And I'm, I will tell folks. I mean, I, I wish will, I was wrong. I want to be wrong. <laughs> I, I want to be wrong this is, once. But this is, this is kind of what I want to say to folks. We've been having these conversations for well over two years now, and there has not been a time when Jonathan has warned each and every single listener here that a wave is coming and a wave not come, that it's going to be bad and it not be as bad as you predict. And so I say that, uh, you know, tongue in cheek about the bearer of bad news, but you are the warning. You are the alert that goes off that reminds people, oh shit, if Jonathan says that it's going to get bad and he has been right all of this time, then listen to you now. Uh, Jonathan Metzel, as always... I appreciate you. Stay safe. Stay healthy. We'll get through. Don't forget, we're going to get through this one day. You know, it's like Rip Van Winkle. That is Jonathan. Rip Van Winkle. I'm going to say one more depressing thing for people, just to scare the crap out of people. Just one team more, two more thing, which is the issue with with the virus in your lungs is that people are going to need to be hospitalized and be on a respirator. And so, just to repeat the point that we made a year ago. You yep. don't want to get sick when other people are sick. That's another reason to kind of play it safe right now. Um, because then hospitals fill up and beds fill up and wards fill up and respirators, um, you know, ventilators fill up and stuff. So um, I would just say now is a time. I mean, it's hard because it's summer, but I would just say it, nothing else. Just everybody stay on top of the science, really. You can just follow, you know, the people on Twitter who are trustworthy, I think. Um, but but now's a time to like, you know, just to play it safe, I would say. All right. Jonathan, 
Uh, and folks, listen to Jonathan. Play it safe. Don't throw away your mask. Put your mask on. And don't think that you are 100% safe at these crowded outdoor concerts, festivals, um, events that are happening because we're talking about a different in, difference in particle size, a difference in reach, um, and a different area of infection. So again, we are starting from scratch. Not necessarily scratch because we have the information that will keep us safe. It's whether or not we choose to use it. Jonathan, as always, thank you so much. And we will see you next week. Take care, everybody. That is it for me today, dear friends on Woke AF. As always, power to the people and to all the people power. Get woke and stay woke as fuck. Imagine getting in a hot, stuffy car in the summer. You know how it cools off much faster when you roll down the windows first to get the hot air out? Well, that's exactly how an Easy Breathe basement ventilation system works. Removing all the musty, damp, stagnant air and replacing it with fresher, cleaner, drier air. Take charge of your air with Easy Breathe ventilation and get $250 off today. Ask about DIY kits. Visit TakeChargeOfYourAir.com or call 866-822-7328. Your credit card should match your lifestyle. At Kemba Financial Credit Union, choose a card with benefits that work for you. For a limited time, all cards have 2% cash back on purchases and 0% interest on balance transfers for a year. Apply at Kemba.org. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Zero Foxtrot isn't just a brand. It's a way of life. Founded and operated by veterans, Zero Foxtrot's unique apparel and gear echoes the grit of the warrior culture. Zero Foxtrot dedicates itself to producing content, honoring the sacrifices of forgotten heroes of the past, and connecting history to the present. Embark on a journey with Zero Foxtrot today at ZeroFoxtrot.com. It's not merely our products. It's about the ethos that we embody. Rugged, resilient, and timeless.